what's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. This is Pam. And I'm Jeremy. Thanks so much for tuning in again this week, you guys. We really do appreciate it. We've got a lot to cover in this week's episode. Our main focus today is going to be talking about the artists who have supported Kelly over the years. And we don't necessarily mean the people that she knows and friends that she has in the music industry. We're talking literally about the people who actually support her out on tour. She's had many opening acts throughout the last 18 years, and Pam and I have decided to put them all down and rank our favorite opening acts, and we would love to hear what you guys think as well. We'll talk about that in just a few, but first, we need to talk about the most recent Big Kelly appearance, and that was her hosting the Billboard Music Awards. It was her third time hosting the award show on NBC, and it was definitely Definitely very different this year. And Pam, the first thing I have to say about this award show is that it did not need to be broadcast live. Not at all. It didn't need to be live. And I I also thought they could have done something. What I think it was at the Oscars. I think it was. No. Emmys. I don't know what my award shows. I only know my music <laughs> ones. The one yeah. where the one where Shit's Creek won everything. Um, I th- yeah, that have been the yeah the uh, uh, primetime Emmys. Thank you, Emmys. Okay, I loved what they did, where everyone was just home, and mm-hmm. they even if you won or not, you were still shown. It just felt very awkward, and that they easily could, if it were pre-taped, they could have edited a lot of the awkward pauses. You know, yeah. the parts where they didn't have like music cues coming in. I'm like, guys, royalty-free mm. music. That is a thing. If you really can't <laughs> afford it, you can do some also, royalty-free stuff, but you can't afford it because you're an award show. Yeah, also, your Billboard magazine, I'm pretty sure you have the ability to get the rights to some of this stuff. Here, Here's what I have to say about this award show. First of all, the Billboard award show is one of the most anticlimactic <laughs> award shows because with just a little bit of research you can figure out who is going to win every single category it's yeah. very e- it's it's publicly available information you can go and look at the billboard charts you can figure out who's going to be top artist best selling this best selling that uh, you can pretty much easily guess second of all you could tell that there was no genuine surprise for the artist because it just so happened that they were either standing just off stage ready to come out to accept their award or they were standing on the uh, the alternate stage ready to go and perform. It's weird how that all just seemed to work out. It's not like those artists were all standing backstage together. They weren't. They all knew they were going to win an award. They were told to come because they were going to win an award. Exactly. Like, what a coincidence. No, not at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was weird. And I mean, I I guess people are lazy and they don't look online or they don't realize maybe they think it's a voting thing when it's strictly like um, it's it's based off of like stats. Um, But a lot of people, you know, including myself at first, were like, these songs were out a while ago, why are they first winning? Yeah. And then I don't know who brought it up. Maybe you you even did. I don't know. But someone online mentioned, yeah, these were supposed to air back in May. I'm like, yeah. oh, that makes a lot of sense. That was five months ago. 
Um, Which made made the show feel so much more dated because we're sitting here honoring all the like we're honoring Old Town Road and I'm like <laughs> how I'm like that song was like two years ago exactly I'm like wait I mean I love the song it's a guilty pleasure but this is truly from not 2020 at all yeah uh, so yeah it's a little weird like you know even like with some of like the Lizzo stuff um, particular I'm like I love it it is not current in the slightest so I think yeah. a lot of people were confused about that. Um, I feel like they should have maybe mentioned something about that this was supposed to air five months ago. You know, they didn't necessarily have to say, hence why these are old songs, but yeah, it may have been just a nice little reminder for people. Right. And I, I think they could have done a, a nice balance between the primetime Emmys, like you said, and the VMAs. The VMAs were almost too, like, overly produced it still was a, I mean, it was probably one of the more interesting VMAs of the last couple of years, but still it was just a little too overproduced and too uh, canned for me. They could have done kind of a happy medium between the two because there was no reason for them to rent out an arena and have these these award shows and performances because, and this is where we, we kind of start to get to talk about uh, Kelly's part of the show, where she would come out and she'd be like, all right, everybody. And I'm like, there is nobody there. Like, why are you yelling? Kelly? There you, is have a, a you, micro- have, you have a few you have a like microphone. crew guys and that's about it. Yeah. You have a microphone, which amplifies your voice and they're an, an empty arena. You can just come out and be like, all right, everybody, here's what we're doing next. Like you could do talk show voice, Kelly, and not arena speaking voice, Kelly. Cause I know you see the big cavernous room behind you, but there's nobody there. Um, so that was a little bit awkward. Um, I thought that some of the some of the shtick that they wrote for her was a little weird. Now I have to fully admit that uh, my real job—I do a, a morning radio show—so I only got about a halfway through the show before I had to call it a night. But what I did see, like the, the whole thing with the remote control with the audience sounds—I mean. That was sort of funny, but it sort of overstayed its welcome a little bit. It was it drug on a little bit too long. Um, and it just seemed like Kelly was expecting there to be, like, arena voices, yeah. but it was an empty room. I think, I, I think a big reason why the remote thing worked, for any of my young listeners out there, my millennial and Gen uh, Zers out there, I did see a lot of memes going around that it was uh, very reminiscent of iCarly. So that was kind of funny. But I don't expect everyone to put two and two together. But, I mean, it was was funny. It was a shtick, yeah. But uh, it was, it was, it was all right. I mean, I thought that was actually one of the more comedic elements of the night. Yeah. I don't know what that says. Uh, I'm not blaming her in the slightest because she's not a writer. She's just the host. Yeah. Uh, I will say that the higher love performance at the beginning was, for me, that and the John Legend performance, I think, were the two standout moments from the show. I know a lot of people are talking about the Post Malone performance. Ugh. That was a little, that was weird for me. They wasted a ton um, of fireworks. They really did. And he was he was basically lip syncing during it. And I know he can sing. That's the yeah. bum- That's a bummer. Yeah. So uh, the higher love performance was, was really, really great. Highlight. I always love... I always love when Kelly uh, performs with Pentatonix. I think they do a great job. Sheila E was a nice accompaniment. I think that a lot of people, like you said, your your Gen Zs and your millennials were like, who is this lady who is yeah. like going to town on these drums? That does tie uh, in with our episode from last week, though. It Slightly. does. Yes. 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 
Uh, and we will uh, touch on that here in just a minute. But uh, overall, I think, you know, the Billboard Awards, they were about five months late, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, they could very well have been recorded, not live. There was really no reason for it to be live. There was no drama uh, in that show. And, you know, I mean, look, at the at the end of the day, for me, and this is not in any way a, a diss on Kelly whatsoever, but the Billboard Awards are sort of a, a lower tier award show. Um, I think a lot of the average people don't really know nor care about what the significance of Billboard is. People who are in the music industry, like Pam and myself, we know who they are and we know their significance and we care about what they have to say. But for the most part, I think that the... Uh, the the general populace doesn't really care too much about Billboard, and it's just a it's a ratings grab. It's a reason to put celebrities on TV doing what they do on NBC. So I get what it is. I I get what its purpose is, but uh, it's I don't basically know. also why we have like seven country award shows, which I just don't get. <laughs> There's an award show for country every month, and I'm just like <laughs> every freaking you month. Are, I mean. They say that like movie stars are self-congratulatory. Like country music is constantly giving themselves awards. And I think Kelly's per, like I think it came out this week. She's presenting at one of them. Um, again, I don't know awards? the CMA, is CMT. C- I don't know some acronym. Yeah. A- ACM. It's one of them. <laughs> it's something. Yeah. So all right. So any more Pam from you on the Billboard Awards? I thought Kelly looked great. Uh, the only one I was a little like uh, kind of cringe on was the the weird. Uh, she looked like a genie bottle with Wait, like the with the I bun have, on top. I have a really funny picture um, that I did like a little like pick stitch pick stitch with that uh-huh. I was gonna post when we like promote this episode. Uh-huh. I might still do it because now people are curious. I did a side by side of that picture with the VMA <laughs> dress from two thousand five. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you'll it def- see. You'll see it when we do the promotion for the episode. Yeah, I mean, I think most of her, some of her outfits I liked. I'm, re- I know what they're doing. I know what Candace. I typically like what Candace does. Obviously, there are some outfits that I like more than others. Um, but I'm hoping if she happens to do this for a fourth year. Can they get another color besides like black, silver, and gold? Can they throw in like a red there or something? Because yeah. it is the same, basically the same outfits every year. Yeah. And I mean, I would have loved to talk to, well, actually, I don't want to spoil it. We have an episode coming up soon <laughs> that this would have been a very good, very good uh, topic, but I don't want to spoil that. Um, yeah, the higher love I thought was the highlight of the show. And unfortunately, that was done within the first 10 minutes. Um, some of her commentary was funny. I kind of, I had it on the whole time, but I kind of zoned out halfway through and was just like, you know, texting or tweeting, whatever during it. Um, I think this was also probably another thing that she was probably contractually obligated to do Mm -hmm. five months later still. So, yeah. Uh, you were saying how the Higher Love cover uh, was so good. And speaking of covers, uh, our episode from last week uh, is apparently a little bit on fire because a lot of people have opinions and are weighing <laughs> in about their favorite covers. And we love to see it. Uh, there is a lot of reaction from our covers episode. And we are so glad that you guys are so passionate and uh, so excited to talk about some of your favorite covers. We will definitely have more episodes coming up in the future because 
as we had said, we basically just chose our top favorite and then four other ones that we absolutely adored. Um, yeah. Wasn't necessarily an exact top five, at least not on my end, um, because there are just so many to uh, to to choose from. So I definitely have more more to to share with you guys. I know Jeremy does too. Yeah, it gives me an excuse to go back and rewatch a whole bunch of covers because in preparation for that that episode, you just don't have time to sit and listen to and watch all like 500 oh. covers that she's done thus far. Uh, so I'm all for being able she, to take another week and sit down and watch them. She literally has more covers than original songs. Yeah. Oh, by and large. By and yes. large. So, and there were definitely a lot that I forgot about until people were starting to like message us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And I'm like, that's right. She did do uh, Up to the Mountain on American Idol 2007. You know, I like completely forgot and I'm obsessed with that. Just because there's there's so much now. So thank you very much uh, for all those comments. And like Pam said, we are definitely going to do another one. And by the time we do another one, she'll have probably another sixty covers in the <laughs> in the book. So we'll have a whole new batch to go through. Honestly, but that's a good problem to have. So let's pivot now to our main topic for this episode, and that is all-time favorite opening acts. There were plenty of them. Kelly, of course, has done many many tours. And with that, we are going to specifically leave out a couple of different tours just because they either uh, did or didn't have opening acts, but they don't really count as opening specifically for Kelly. Uh, So we're going to be obviously leaving out the American Idols live tour from 2002. We are going to leave out the 2003 independent tour with Clay Aiken. We're also not going to talk about the 2012 tour with The Fray or the Honda Civic tour with Maroon 5. Those last two, those were co-headline shows. Uh, They went back and forth. And so that really doesn't count for us as far as Uh, opening acts are concerned. However, there are still plenty of other tours to choose from. Yeah. And obviously she's done some one-off shows or maybe like a little mini regional mini tour or something Mm -hmm. like that. Or she's had openers that maybe only did one or a few shows with her if it was a regional tour. We're not going to get into the very specifics. So we might not mention every single person who has ever opened for her, but it's going to be a pretty general um, thing of not only the U.S., which is where we're from, but mm-hmm. also overseas. Not that I don't want to speak for Jeremy. I personally have only seen her in the U.S., mm-hmm. but it's I still am going to include some uh, rankings from uh, some overseas acts and even from some tours I didn't necessarily go to myself. Yeah. But I think it'll be still cool to rank um, A, who we like, and B, who we think fit the best for those tours. That's how I'm going to look at it. Yeah, and we would love to hear what your guys' opinions are on these. So uh, after you listen to the episode, hit us up on social media at Miss Into Podcast everywhere and let us know who your favorite uh, openers were of all time uh, for Kelly out on tour. Now, I was saying before that there are a lot of different tours to pick from. And in doing the research for this episode, I had legitimately forgotten how many really, really great artists have opened for Kelly? Um, I mean, look, there's there's not been many who have gone on to have, you know, the the level of career that that Kelly has. There's a couple in there that were either on their way up or, you know, continued to have nice success. Uh, and there's some that maybe still have big success to come. 
Uh, but regardless, there's a lot of really, really awesome artists that have opened up for her. And and I kind of want to echo a little bit of what Pam said in that uh, there are a lot of really great acts that uh, opened uh, overseas that we're probably not going to get into. But uh, just like Pam, I've also got a couple of those on my list because even though I didn't see them in person, I know that they would have been a really great act to see. Exactly. All right. So I think it's time. We're going to start. Uh, Jeremy has allowed me to start and go first. <laughs> well, um, first of all, before so, before we get too far in, um, yeah, I, and I know we're we have a, we have a separate episode that's all about the tours. Um, but if you were to just look at all of the different tours, um, is there one that stands out? Maybe of the tours that had multiple opening acts, is there any of them that stand out to you that you look at and you're like, wow, that is a solid tour? from start to finish with all the various opening acts? I'm going to say Meaning of Life. Mm-hmm. I definitely am going to say that. Um, and it's funny because I was looking at the list. I meant to mention this to you before we actually started recording, uh-huh. but I'll just mention it now. Um, Meaning of Life tour, obviously it was Bryn and Kelsey, but Maggie Rose, I believe, did a couple of dates, uh-huh. which most people are like, you know, they don't think of, I'm not saying you, but in general, most people don't think of because I think she only did like, two or three shows and I, i'm only bringing it up because i saw one of those and i really liked her nice um yeah what about you uh i think that the stronger tour i think had the, the most solid acts uh as a whole and that's the the stronger world tour uh you know you had matt nathanson here in the states and in north america uh, carolina liar was also a part of those shows and then you had the fray and this was pre dual headline show with the fray. So Kelly goes out, does the stronger tour has the fray actually open, but then she also did the double headline tour with them. Um, and so, I mean, that's a, that's a really solid group. And there's other artists as well that, uh, you know, played Europe and Australia, but, um, mm-hmm. that's a really solid grouping of artists. Yeah, it was cool. The fray tour was cool. Like I know, um, I went to two shows like back to back. They were like the two days next to each other. So the first show, um, it was Carolina Liar. I'm not going to get into it too much because we'll go into the whole yeah. struggle tour in a whole other episode. But I remember it was like Carolina Liar, the first show, then Kelly, then the fray. I left during the fray. <laughs> and then <laughs> I won't get into that right now. And then the next show was Carolina Liar, the fray, and then Kelly. I thought it was kind of cool how they like flip flopped on and off. Yeah. Um, I don't really know where I'm getting at with this, but I liked that concept <laughs> a lot. Because it was cool, like the different audiences, you know, they get to, yeah. you know, kind of pick and choose. Sure. So let's start you off, Pam, uh, with your top 10. Uh, what do you yes. have as your number 10 favorite opening act? My number 10 is actually Matt Nathanson. Um, I I don't know a ton by him. I know a few of his songs, but I thought he was he was really entertaining. He's a really personable guy. And I don't know if this was at every show. Maybe you can tell me. I can also probably look it up really quickly. I know he's really good friends with Ashley Arison. Yeah, he and uh, and yeah, and Matt and Aben are good friends. And Aben did did Ashley go and do the Jennifer Nettles duet with him on tour? Was that an every night thing, or did that just happen once? I know it's happened before. I don't think it was an every night thing because I don't know if I saw that at my shows. I legitimately okay. cannot remember. It's been. That tour has been that long enough that I don't remember. 
this was the stronger this was the first stronger tour so uh-huh. it was the winter of 2012 um, I'm gonna actually click it. I'm gonna cheat a little bit and look it up on my phone right now. I do remember because um, I've I've had a couple of opportunities uh, to to talk with and hang out with Matt Nathanson, and I did remember that he was friends with Aben and Ashley, and so I I I oh was, it did happen a few times. Yeah, I was that guy okay, that cool. name dropped around him, and I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I hear <laughs> your uh, your buddies with Kelly's guitarist Aben. He's like, oh yeah, that's my boy. So yeah. Uh- <laughs> I love it. And that's cool because, you know, he's tight with the Kelly Kelly crew. Yeah. So I thought that's also a good tie-in. So Matt Nathanson, um, this was at – he was touring and opening for Kelly at a time when um, he had just done a duet with Jennifer Nettles from Sugarland, And it, it just come out. So he was promoting that. But obviously Jennifer couldn't come out every night. So um, he brought out Ashley Arison, who I think at the time I think was Kelly's assistant. I know she was at some point, mm-hmm. but you know she's friends with uh, with 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 Kelly, married to uh, to uh, Aben, and it was a really cool thing. Like they're all like such a tight knit group. Um, he's really fun. He's a really good pop singer. You know, he plays guitar. He's really talented, and I just thought it was really smart because he was doing really well on on radio at the time with his solo stuff and with the Jennifer Nettles song. Um, I thought it was really smart to bring him out on on tour. Mm-hmm. So I really liked him. I enjoyed it. I mean, he is number 10 for a reason. It wasn't necessarily my absolute favorite of all time, but I thought it was a smart choice. Mm-hmm. The number nine was John McLaughlin, who opened it for Kelly on the My December tour. Yep. Um, this was my first Kelly show, so I was just excited about anything that had to do with this tour. Um he was definitely more of a ballad singer. He played piano. I love that he had a song called Beautiful Disaster. Yeah. I was like, wow, what a coincidence. Yeah, and that's kind of it's <laughs> I mean, it's basically one of his biggest hits. Yeah, I think it's a, it's definitely his his biggest hit. Yeah. Um plus I was a t- I was a teenager at the time and I was like, "Oh, he's so cute. He's pretty attractive." <laughs> but that's not why he's on my list on here. Um Hey, I I, I don't judge your reasonings for putting people where they yeah. are. Um, he's, yeah, he was really talented and, um, I have a few of these on my list. I think it's really important when, um, in, when you actually go ahead and listen to an opener after you see them live, because I, you know, a big part of my job, I work in management. A big part of my job is, uh, tour marketing and just touring in general. And I work for a lot of smaller acts. So, you know, one of my uh, clients a few years ago did a huge amphitheater tour opening up for a really big artist Mm -hmm. and we were the first of third bands. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't necessarily show up or pay attention to the first of three acts. I get it. I mean, I've, I've been a fan. I don't always pay attention, but now I'm, I'm, I'm definitely trying to more now that um, I've been in that position. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool when people actually pay attention to the opening act and become a fan of theirs. So I would say for a few years after this tour, I really paid attention to his career. Um, I don't really anymore, not for any reason. I kind of just fell off the bandwagon, but um, I really liked him. I don't necessarily think it was maybe the best musically for my December, mm-hmm. but let's be honest. She played a bunch of her old hits, a bunch of pop hits. It 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 worked. Yeah, and the, my December tour was already off off on a shaky note anyway. Yes. So why why not? I was I'm not gonna lie though. 
the first tour, the one that got axed, mm-hmm. I was really excited about Matt Carney. Yeah. I really like him. I was really bummed about that. But yeah. John was great. He did a good job. So power to him. So for my number eight, I chose someone who I completely forgot had even opened um, because it was on the other side of the world. And I clearly did not see that tour. It was Manny Moore in Australia for the My December tour. Mm-hmm. And the reason why she's alone on the list is not that I don't like her. I love, I, I mean, I don't know much by her. I know her late 90s, early 2000s songs, you know, candy, stuff like that. Sure. So it's definitely nostalgia for me. Um, but I thought it was interesting because 2008, you know, Jeremy, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I, you probably know a little bit more about her career than I do. But I don't know if she was really out with much at the time. So I don't really know if there was a ton to promote. She wasn't super relevant. It was obviously way before This Is Us. Yeah. So I, I don't know if she was necessarily like a huge, you know, act to bring in tickets, but I could be wrong. Yeah, she she's had sort of a streaky career when it comes to her music. You know, she put out a couple of albums in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. She had a span of about three albums there, uh, one of which was a covers album. Um, but then uh, she had another record, Wild Hope, later on, which was uh, there was more of a break between albums when she put that one out. And then she took a really long break once she started doing more acting and that became her career focus. Um, so yeah, I, I think there was a little bit to promote, but I mean, I don't think she was, she was definitely not the household name that she kind of is now. Exactly. That she was now, that she is now or was 20 years ago. Right. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know. Maybe she's bigger in Australia than we think she is. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I have no idea. But Again, she is sort of a household name, so I thought it was pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Um, my number seven choice is Maggie Rose, who opened up for Kelly on Meaning a Life Tour. I think she did like, I don't know, two or three shows. Um, I'm including her because I actually did see her. Um, she was at one of the shows in Connecticut that I saw. And I, it's funny, the people I was surrounded by, like close by, were super not into her performance. And I get it. I honestly loved her. I thought she was really soulful. I thought she brought a really cool rock edge, rock country soulful mm-hmm. edge to her. Yeah. But I don't think it was necessarily the right fit because the majority of the people there were probably there to see Bryn. They were young or they're like probably, you know, just pop fans. I feel like Maggie Rose definitely has sort of a niche audience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Meeting of Life tour was that audience. I loved it, but I was one of the only people near me who I know was actually paying any attention to her during her set. I feel kind of bad. She's really <laughs> talented. She's a great singer. Um, so I don't know. Maybe one day I'll go see her live. I don't know if I can name a song by her. Maybe I'll, I'll go see her solo one day. Mm-hmm. But I was really pleasantly surprised. So that's why she is number seven on my list. Uh, let's see. My number six is a band um, who opened for Kelly, which I didn't see. I'm really sad about it. Um, it was on the 2006 Addicted Tour. It was, it was Rooney. Mm-hmm. And for anyone not familiar with Rooney, um, I think they're still a band, but they had their, quote, heyday. I don't. I hate that word. But <laughs> um. In like the mid two thousands, they are a California. I believe they're from California. They have that kind of California surf rock, yeah, kind of vibe to them. The beachy, beachy rock, not Beach Boys, but like you know that's 
surfy kind of that kind of like low like laid back chill vibe like chill california vibe yeah Yeah. and um i they got their big break i was reading up on this they got their big break on the oc which makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. and uh the oc dominated in the mid-2000s i was a huge fan of the show still love it um and i even though musically it did not necessarily fit with um the album you know the like i feel like the addicted tour was like that's when she had her like short bob she was wearing all those like grungy punky leotards yeah. like it was just a weird time for her <laughs> but then she brought out this like california surf band it didn't really mix that well as i mean as far as the kind of stuff she was performing but i think it was really smart to bring them out because they were becoming really popular at the time they were huge off of that tv show they have a couple songs that are really good um uh i'm shaking and when did your heart go missing they're really fun i love them yeah i still listen to them now um so the fact that i actually still listen to the music you know 14 years later does say something uh so i thought it was smart to bring them out at that height in their career but musically didn't necessarily make the most sense sure but whatever yeah Number five is Kelsey Ballerini, who opened for Kelly this past tour, um, the Meaning of Life tour. Um, I thought it was really smart to bring her out for this tour. I think a lot of, I think every show on the Meaning of Life tour actually sold out. And obviously, Kelly had a lot to do with it because she headlined. But I think Kelsey helped because she brought in a whole new audience. I think there were a lot of people there. And I'm also going to throw in my number four because they're kind of for the same reason is uh pentatonics Mm -hmm. from the piece by piece tour i think bring both of those in as support as direct support was brilliant because they have they've already both have their own full fan bases they were still growing but they still had their full fan bases and um I think they brought in so many ticket sales and I mean, I'm not like as a huge fan of either. They're good. I mean, I like a couple Kelsey songs. I can, I like miss me more. I like Peter Pan. I'm not blown away by her. Mm-hmm. She's, I like her as a person. She's cool. Um, pentatonics. I can't name any, any originals of theirs. I think they have them. They do. They yeah. Covers. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I, I don't know, but they were super entertaining and they brought in, they both brought in a lot of younger audiences. And I feel like Kelly, Obviously, she has younger fans, but I think a lot of her demographic now is like 25 plus mm-hmm. and not necessarily the teenagers. And that's where I thought it was really smart of them to bring in the younger, younger acts. Sure. Um, let's see. My number three is a little surprising, possibly. It is Parachute, who opened up for Kelly on the 2009. I think also she they did some 2010 All I Ever Wanted Tour stuff. Uh-huh. And... I was a huge fan of them after I saw them. I like bought the stuff on iTunes. And I think, as I said earlier, it's good when you actually pay attention to an opening band and you are a fan of them way past the show. So I kind of kept up with them for a few years after I saw them live. Um, they were just a really fun. I mean, I don't pay attention to, pay attention to them now, but they were just a fun band. Uh, really catchy pop songs. Um, I was bummed, though, that the... Uh, Veronica's did not open. They were supposed to open on this tour. That's right. They were so bummed out oh, about that. They're great. 
Oh, God, I was so excited for that. And then I don't even know what happened, but I know they're from Australia. For all I know, it could have been like a visa issue, <laughs> but they had a, they, I have no idea. I mean, it happened. So they had to pull out of the tour, but Parachute was great. I I don't know if they're even a band anymore. They might be, but. Um, yeah, they still, yeah, they're I still think, together. Are they? Yeah. Uh, I should check them out because I really liked them when I was in, in like high school and uh the fact that I like paid attention to their career probably for a good three, four years afterwards does say a lot about them. Mm-hmm. I thought musically they fit really well because all I ever wanted was definitely like a pop Rocky kind of album, mm-hmm. a little bit of dance to it, I guess. And they definitely fit that, that mold. Yeah. Number two is Bryn Cartelli, uh, who we're probably all familiar with as uh, the first winner of team Kelly on the voice. Uh, she opened up for Kelly on the Mania life tour. Um, I think it was smart for Kelly to bring her out because she was, you know, in the eyes of Kelly, like Kelly fans, she was, um, she was still really fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was really excited about her. She was the first winner. She's so talented. It's insane that she's like 16, 17, and she is so talented. And um, again, she brought in a lot of the younger audience. I think we actually have some Bryn fans who might listen to this because I know mm-hmm. we have some Bryn followers and I thought it was cool. I feel like a lot of her fans kind of see Kelly as like Mama Bear a little bit. <laughs> um, I they do, but I thought it was. I thought she, I thoroughly loved her. I'm so excited for her album to drop whenever that is. I definitely think I'm going to be a fan of hers forever, even aside from her being on the Voice. Mm-hmm. I just think she's a genuinely. She's such a good singer. She's such a good songwriter, and uh, I want to see her again. I tried meeting her. Because she did like the meet and greets yeah, she, during the uh, tour. Yeah, because she did the uh, she did the ones that was like, oh, I'm going to be over in the merch section in 114. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the problem though is I had GA for most of the shows, so I didn't want to like lose my place in line. Yeah. And then the one show I actually got seats for that I could easily leave and come back to was her hometown show in Boston. So good luck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, you know what? If she ever comes back to New York and she plays like a little like club or whatever in like Manhattan. You know, and she charges like 30 bucks for a meet and greet. I'll go and meet her. <laughs> I think she's really cool. Yeah. I really like her. So um, anyway, and my number one, I don't know if this is surprising or not. I didn't see this tour, tours, plural, um, was Graham Colton. Mm-hmm. And he's someone that, yeah, I didn't see the tours, but I thought it was such a good pairing. Even before they were, they, they started dating. <laughs> I thought it was such a good pairing musically. Uh-huh. Um you know, he's pop. He was the pop rock. He opened for her during Breakaway, which is when she was, you know, the Breakaway tour. She was doing all those like, you know, bohemian flowy skirts. Uh-huh. She was doing the rock version of a moment like this. Yeah. It was a perfect fitting. Um, I followed his career for a, quite a while afterwards. Um, his, you know, his debut, I think it was debut or the album he was promoting during those tours was uh, the album called Drive, yep. which I ran out to Best Buy and bought. It is really good to this day. Yeah. I know it came out in like 2004, 2005. It's really good. I'm pretty sure Aben started um, with Graham and then went over to, to, to Kelly. Yeah, he was in the band. Yeah. Um, and it's cool. Like I, even after, you know, he stopped touring with Kelly, even after the two of them ended things, I still follow his career for years. And I think he is just a great musician. Unfortunately, I've never seen him. I've always wanted to, but I know 
in recent years, he hasn't been doing as much of the music stuff as performing because I know he opened up a venue mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I think. Yeah, Oklahoma City. Jones Assembly. Yeah. Um, and he they got some really awesome acts there. So good for him. Yeah. Um, I hope to see Graham one day, even though it's like 15 plus years after the uh, tour. That's fine. <laughs> uh, one day. But yeah, Graham is my number one. Um, I was always a little bit of a... Uh, cram uh, fan back <laughs> oh in the day. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard that term forever. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Jenna and I talk about cram a lot. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so that's my top 10. So we got nice. Matt Nathanson, John McLaughlin, Mandy Moore, Maggie Rose, Rooney, Kelsey Ballerini, Pentatonix, Parachute, Bryn Cartelli, Graham Colton Band. Excellent list. Well Ta-da. done. Well, I can def- I can definitely say that there are artists that are on your list that are not on mine and Ooh. artists that are on mine that aren't on yours. Uh, so I'm going to start my top 10 uh, with one that was actually pretty high on your list. I'm going to start with Parachute at uh, okay. number 10. Uh, you know, when they opened up for Kelly on the All I Ever Wanted tour, they were one record in. They had just put out their debut album. It was called Losing Sleep. And uh, I agree with you. I thought they were a lot of fun. Uh, They're a a band out of Charlottesville, Virginia. So for people who are like Dave Matthews Band fans, I mean, they are like from the same roots. Um, I don't think they're going to get quite to the same level as Dave Matthews Band, but uh, but I, I thoroughly enjoy Parachute. I thought they were a lot of fun. They were. I saw a couple of shows on that tour. And I remember the first show I got there and I I showed up in the middle of Parachute's set and thought they were so great that I made sure that for subsequent shows, I got there early to make sure to see their whole set because they really were a lot of fun uh, and I enjoyed them a lot. Uh, For my number nine, Pam, you and I agreed on this. Uh, John McLaughlin at number nine. Nice. uh, Straight out of Indiana. Um, It's so funny because I've I've got a, a weird history with John McLaughlin. He he comes through the area every so often. I actually saw him play a club with a capacity of like 75 to 100 people. And this was when he had his uh, debut album out. He had a couple of songs on the radio. And so he was kind of the hotness, but he wasn't, you know, enough to, you know, fill even a, a theater. Uh, so he played a small, small club. And a lot of people came out to see him. I definitely came out to see him, but I was more interested in the opener for him uh, because she was this new artist. She had just put out a new album or her first album. Uh, her her song had just gotten on the radio. It had maybe been playing for three or four weeks. Uh, and Can I, would, I guess who it is? Do you know who it is? <laughs> I have a feeling it might be. All right. Well, hold on. Let me let me continue. I'm really excited. Continue my my warm up here. Uh, I'm sorry. She'd only yeah. She'd only been on the radio for literally a few weeks, um, and I was so endeared to this artist because the night that she played with John at this club again for like 75 people, she was sick that night and she did not feel uh, her best. Her singing was still top notch, um, but uh, I. I gave her so much credit in the world and she was, I stayed after the show and I, I said hi to John and, and we talked for a few minutes and then I waited around to see if his opener would show up. And sure enough, here she came into the venue. She had this long coat on and she was like carrying a Kleenex and she's wiping her nose. And, and I said, Hey, you know, you did a really, really great job. I was so glad I got to see you. I actually specifically came out to see you. And she was like, Oh, thanks. She signed my CD that I had bought at the merch table because uh, I hadn't had a chance to go out and pick it up yet. Do you know who I'm talking about? 
I got really excited. I could easily be wrong, but I'm just thinking, was this around like 2006, seven or was it earlier? Uh, man, I'm going to, you're, you're going to. Cause if it's like 2007 ish, like early 2007, then I can guess. I think it was, but if it's, I think it was maybe a little before that. Oh, then maybe I'm wrong. Who do you think it is? Was it Sarah Bareilles? It was Sarah Bareilles. Oh, I was right. You were right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it literally like uh, That's awesome. Love Song had just, like we had just added it to my radio station a couple of weeks prior. I fell in love with the song and I'm like, oh, this girl's opening up for John McLaughlin. I, at, you know, there's this tiny little venue in Des Moines, Iowa called the Vaudeville Muse. And I mean, I'm not kidding you. It holds a hundred people. Um, and so I got to sit really really close and see a very very early in her career performance uh and again she was sick that night could not have been sweeter sign my cd we're kind of digressing here but it was just so great that like an artist who later went on to open up for you know one of my favorite artists had someone open for him who is also one of my favorite artists now and that's that's, so cool. that's the tie i have with john mclaughlin and uh and kelly and sarah Bareilles. Uh, okay, so that's my number nine. Uh, number eight, I put Rooney. Um, I was turned on to this band by uh, a couple of friends uh, who said, hey, you know, these guys are really great. They're a lot of fun. You're going to love them. When I told them that uh, they were opening up for Kelly, um, I was excited to see them. And you know what? Honestly, they did not uh, They did not disappoint. Um, I really do think that uh, Robert Schwartzman, who is the lead singer of the band, he's really talented, uh, has a really good eye. Uh, the band has worked with Rick Ocasek, who, if you don't remember, Rick Ocasek, uh, the late Rick Ocasek, who used to be the front man for the cars and was a huge producer, uh, produced bands like Weezer and, and, I mean, a huge long list of bands. Um, they really worked with some good people. And I thought they were a, a fun, good fit for Kelly, um, a fun little pop rock band. Again, she caught them kind of when they were off their first, second album. Um, so it was a it was a good, solid opening act for her. Uh, number seven is another uh, act that was on your list, but also I did not get to see. And this is where I have Mandy Moore. Um, I would have loved to see um, Mandy open for Kelly. I'm a big fan of her career. I've got most of her records and um, I just think she's a phenomenal singer. I'm like you, Pam. I, I kind of started uh, getting into her in the early teen pop days of Candy. And um, what was the other song that she had? Walk Me Home. That was another good one. Um, this was pre, like, I, I, maybe it was, it could have been a, the movie that was the same name, uh, but she was in a movie, like a teen romance movie. And I was just like, oh man, is this the artist I really like? <laughs> oh, uh, was, was she in well, a Walk to Walk to Remember? That's for, what it was. Remember? Yeah. yeah. I never saw that. Yeah. It's a schmaltzy teen uh, <laughs> tearjerker. It's like, you know, it's like teenage notebook. <laughs> yeah. I. Grab those tissues. Uh, my number six is an artist that I don't believe you mentioned at all on your list, but I thoroughly enjoy this artist. Uh, and I enjoyed the uh, couple of times that he has opened up for Kelly. And that is Eric Hutchinson. Um, he is a really, really fun artist. He's a fantastic piano player. Um, and I think I, I have him ranked where I do because he was a fun addition to Kelly's shows. Um, I remember early on in Kelly's career, the opening acts used to kind of play a bigger part later on in the shows. A lot of times she would have the openers come out and uh, perform a song or do some, have some fun. Uh, I do remember that I believe it was the all I ever wanted tour. I got to go to the tour finale 
in New Orleans. And I saw um, this was an Eric was uh, opening for that tour. He actually came out and performed with Kelly. And I the the song that they performed together uh, slips my brain right now. But he came out and he was wearing like the most medium Kelly like tour shirt. So it was like super, super tight. Like his belly button was showing like he was having because it used to be at the end of the tour, they would play a lot of pranks and like weird stuff would happen. Um, You can look those up on YouTube if you've uh, if you've not seen them. But um, yeah, so this was the last night of the tour. Eric came out and he starts singing with her. And she was like, you are so sexy. Um, she really had a. Is that when they did the Michael Jackson? It was my. Duet? Thank you. Yes, it was Michael Jackson. That's what it was. <laughs> it was. Um, was it rock, rock with, you? with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I liked him on the all I, all I ever wanted tour. I really did enjoy him there. I didn't like him on the piece by piece tour. I thought, you know, there was Abby Ann who was a country singer, then him, then Pentatonics, then Kelly. It was just a lot, mm-hmm. and it was. All over the place as far as genres go. But, I mean, he's super talented. He probably would have been my number 11 had I had an yeah. 11 spot. Yeah, and I think that uh, I agree that the the addition of him on the Piece by Piece tour was probably one too many artists. Um, you know, with with due respect to, to Eric and his career, you know, he, he hadn't had a hit in a while. Um, so he was sort of playing a lot more unfamiliar stuff. If anybody knew his stuff before, uh, he had a lot of, I mean, he was a, a mainstay on sort of adult pop radio uh, back in the uh, early to mid to th- or mid to late 2000s. Uh, so it made a lot of sense to have him on that tour. And he was a lot of fun. He's got a great personality. He's a really, really great guy. Um, I've enjoyed the the times that I've had to to chat with him. So um, he definitely was a great opening act. Uh, my number five is another opening act that not only did I not see this one, uh, I didn't even uh, I had forgotten that he had even opened for Kelly, and that is Gavin DeGraw. Mm. Uh, I I think I put Gavin here as as a bit of a sentimental favorite. Um, I do really like Gavin uh, and his music. He's a really, really nice guy. Uh, he's another artist I've had a couple of opportunities uh, to have interactions with. Um, and he is just really a, a genuinely nice guy. Um, and I really wish I would have seen a show where Gavin played on the same stage as Kelly. Uh, it really would have been great. I think he was he joined for a few dates when Kelly did kind of her fair tour uh, during the summer of 2009. Because uh, Eric was also uh, Eric Hutchinson was also on that tour as well, so it was sort of bouncing back and forth between Gavin and uh, Eric. So I wish I, I probably would have put him. Uh, yeah, I wish I saw that. I probably would have put Gavin in my top three. I just don't remember this. Yeah, like at all, I don't. But I've seen Gavin twice. He's just as good, if not better, live than he is on the albums. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've had anything out from him in the last couple of years. It's um, it's been a while, but you know, he's still making music. But yeah, it's it's yeah, been a little he's bit. He's so good. I would love a new album from him in 2021. Absolutely. Uh at number four, again, Pam, you and I agree. Pentatonix uh was my choice. I put them here because I thought that they were a strong choice uh to help actually put butts in the seats, to be quite honest. Um yep, you know, exactly. Kelly has um has not had the greatest luck when it comes to arena tours um you know obviously again we're all super fans and we're very protective and we think that nothing that she can do is wrong but the the fact of the matter is is that it took her a long time into her career before she could fill 
arenas by herself. I mean, we really only didn't see that until the Meaning of Life tour. Um, and Piece by Piece tour was when we had Pentatonix. And I got to say, and you sort of touched on this a little bit, that there were a lot of fans for them in the crowd. There were a lot of Pentatonix fans in the crowd. Um, I think if uh, if the Piece by Piece tour has anything to say about its success, it owes a lot of it to Pentatonix because uh, I saw a couple of shows on this tour and I legitimately saw people leave after Pentatonix played. Um, yeah, you know, they might have they might have stayed for a couple of Kelly songs, but they were there specifically to see Pentatonix um, and they were definitely younger fans. Um, they definitely do draw younger. Uh, but look, they're really entertaining. I've seen them on their own headlining tour. Um, they're a fun band. They obviously have a very good rapport with Kelly. They still stay in touch with her and and uh, interact with her on social media. I'm I, I don't and Christmas specials. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, those those two are are definitely paired together for a very long time. She obviously enjoys them quite a lot. Um, but the one reason why I don't have them a little bit higher just is the fact that. They are probably the only opening act that partially diminished the main headliner shine uh, just because they themselves were already really popular. I mean, it was had there not been, you know, the Eric Hutchinson and Abby Ann's on those piece by piece dates. I mean, you could you were close to making the argument that Pentatonix and Kelly was nearly a dual headline show. Um, that's kind of the same thing that happened with like Maroon 5. Well, and that was, was similar. That was definitely a dual headline show, even though Maroon 5 got to close the show every night. Um, yeah. that was, I think that was still, I still consider that a dual headline show, um, just because of the caliber of artists. Again, it's probably me being a Kelly Homer, but I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, my number three is Kelsey Ballerini. I thought she, uh, she, is sort of in that zone where I wanted Pentatonix to be, where they didn't quite outshine the main act, but they definitely were a draw for the show. And like you said, you know, it's probably a good reason why the Meaning of Life shows all sold out because a lot of people like to see Kelsey Ballerini. I think she's an artist on the rise. I don't see her opening for Kelly ever again because she's going to be doing her own headlining arena tours. Um, you know, she had some success at some of the country music award shows already in 2020. Uh, so she is definitely an artist that could possibly end up being one of the biggest artists career wise after opening for Kelly. Um, you know, you maybe could argue the fray, um, a little bit. Um, but I think that she could possibly have the biggest career post opening for Kelly. Um, and so that's why I have her at my number three. Uh, my number two is the Graham Colton band. Um, I am a huge fan of Graham and his music. Um, this was, you know, my first shows that I got to see of Kelly were with Graham and his band opening. Um, I remember I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I took a photo with Graham and the band um, after the show. Nice. And it wasn't until like... I don't know, three or four years later, maybe even more that I went back and I saw that picture and I thought, holy crap, Aben was in that band. <laughs> I didn't even. Oh, my God. So your, your, your picture has Aben oh, yeah, in it? Yeah, the picture has Aben. Like, I have <laughs> Graham Colton band era uh... Aben Eubanks in my photo. Um, That's awesome. And I just remember, um, you know, every time I've had an interaction with Graham, it has always been very, very nice. Um, I really think that um, 
his story of his career is is one it's cool it's a great it's a great story and the one thing it's missing is that he just didn't quite break through uh and have that huge success uh i'll go along with what you said pam i think drive is a fantastic record i think it is so good um if People who became Graham Colton fans, if you were a Kelly fan and you became a Graham Colton fan because of his opening, um, I highly recommend you go out and look at the rest of his catalog. He had a really, really good solo album that he recorded prior to the Graham Colton band record that has a lot of those songs, only it's him doing them acoustically um, or they're kind of stripped down versions of a lot of those songs. And they're so good. It is such a good album. Um, And then he put uh, Here Right Now, which was his debut solo album that came out, which I thought was a stellar pop rock record. I mean, that was that was supposed to be his like breakthrough. Here I am here. I'm coming into like pop radio. He got some airplay. He got the song added to that season of American Idol. He was that close um, to really, really breaking it big. And I I have nothing but respect. And I rooted for Graham so much. Um, I had a couple of opportunities to see him after um, sort of all of that. I even had an opportunity. He played uh, here in my hometown um, once and I got to introduce him. Uh, on stage, bring him out on stage. Oh, cool! Um, a friend of mine was That's like, awesome. a friend of mine was like, you know, I'm supposed to do the stage announcement for this show tonight, but I know you're a big Graham Colton fan, um, so I thought you could do his introduction. And he was tickled about it because he and I have have gotten to know each other and and have met at so many different shows. Um, so he was really tickled that I got to introduce him. It was it was kind of a cool like full circle moment. Um, I still root for him. He actually just put out a new album um, a couple of Did yeah he? just weeks ago. So, uh, so yeah, he does have new music. He's still making music. Like you said, he's running the venue down in, uh, in Oklahoma city. So, uh, I, I still root for him so much. I'm still on his mailing list and on his Facebook and everything. I, I just, I think he's such a talented artist and I, I wish he would have had more mainstream success because he really did deserve it. Um, yeah. And here I actually funny, I forgot to mention very quickly. It's not very exciting, but I was at CBS a few weeks ago and I heard a song that like sounded familiar. And it was him. That's awesome. In tw- in 2020, I'm like, he's playing at CBS. I'm buying a toothbrush, and there he is. So I, I was really, I was really excited. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay, and so my number one favorite opening act all time for Kelly is this is going to be our, I think, our one controversial uh, pick because my number one was your number ten. Uh, my number one is Matt Nathanson. <laughs> Um, I adore Matt. I think he is such a talented artist. I think he and Kelly's styles mesh really, really well. He's a really great songwriter. Um, he does has great duets that he does. Um, we talked about that earlier uh, in the show. And I just thought that he was a really good mix of musical styles that hey, if you really like this woman, you're going to really like this guy that opens up for her because they are sort of living in the same pop rock world. Um, I just thought, you know, the shows that he opened up were so good. Uh, and he did uh, the Stronger Tour, and I was so excited to he- see him. And again, I had mentioned it earlier in the show that I thought the Stronger Tour had the best grouping of opening acts because you had Matt Nathanson, you had Carolina Liar, who uh, I have always enjoyed as a band, and I thought they were great. And then you had The Fray, uh, who opened up uh, in Australia. But uh, I, that tour just had such 
solid opening acts that um, I, I I had to put Matt number one. Um, I mean, my my sentimentality wanted to put Graham Colton number one, um, <laughs> but you know, I had to kind of put on my uh, music appreciation hat and sit back and listen to the styles and and compare. And I was like, you know what, Matt, you know, had a cachet of hit songs that he could play. Um, I mean, he's a he's a great headline act in and of himself, uh, but he also makes a really, really great opening act for, um, you know, for a really sort of uh, extraordinary uh, main headliner. So Matt Nathanson, my number one. So, again, my top 10 favorite opening acts of all time. Number 10 was Parachute, John McLaughlin at number nine, Rooney at eight, Mandy Moore, seventh, Eric Hutchinson at number six, Gavin DeGraw, fifth, Pentatonix at number four, Kelsey Ballerini, three. Graham Colton band slash Graham Colton number two and Matt Nathanson, my number one. What do you think, Pam? Excellent. I love it. <laughs> I like how we did. I know it's cool that we had some different uh, different artists thrown in there and no controversy about Matt. I like Matt a lot. Uh-huh. I just, you know, the fact that I included him, you know, says that I do like him. So. And, I, and I, I, no hard feelings there. I did struggle on whether or not to include Bryn Cartelli because I did really, really enjoy her opening set on the Meaning of Life tour. Um, I just think that she, she has the name because of being associated with Kelly on The Voice. You know, she got like a five song, five, six song set. Yeah. Um, which is for me not enough to really see. Okay. And plus, she's out there by herself playing an organ. Um, you know, it didn't have enough of an ump for me to really give her a lot of showmanship to uh, to uh, necessitate whether she's going to be a great opening act and then hopefully one day a great uh, headline act. Um, like I said, I wanted to put her up there. I did enjoy her, but just wasn't quite ready to pull the trigger and have her uh, have her go into the top 10 for the best opening acts. She was your number eleven then. Yeah, say that. yeah. I would. <laughs> I feel confident saying she could be my number eleven for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. All right. All right, guys. All right. So we've done it. Well, that's yeah, it. Again, if you have opinions on your favorite opening acts that you've seen with Kelly, uh, by all means, hit us up on our social medias everywhere. We're at at Miss Into Podcast. Uh, share with us your favorite opening acts. Uh, maybe your favorite opening act moments. Um, I I do want to give a uh, a honorable mention to um melissa peterman who opened up the tour oh, she wasn't at my show oh, she wasn't at your she show she was not at oh she wasn't oh, there you got I ripped so off bummed. i did oh yeah so yeah give it a, a a little bit of a honorable mention to melissa peterman i i couldn't include her just because she's not a musician she is a comedian and so it was it was very strange to see a comedian do an opening act for a show which is not unheard of it's been done before um, but it was, it's just so weird to go to a show and be like, and now the comedy stylings and Melissa Peterman, you know? <laughs> yeah. So she, she opened up for anyone not know what we're talking about. Did she do both legs? I think she did both. I, I think so. I think she did. Yeah. She opened up. So, uh, Kelly and Reba did in 2008, they did two different, uh, legs of the two worlds, two voices tour. They did one at the beginning of the year and then they did one at the end of the year. I went at the end of the year cause that's the only time they came anywhere near New York City at all. Um, and Melissa Peterman played Barbara Jean on Reba, and she's friends with Reba, she's friends with Kelly. So she did like a stand-up, basically a stand-up little special uh-huh. as the opening act. She was not at my show. I went to the one in Connecticut. She was not there. And I think she was like filming something that weekend. Uh. So I did not, There, were, I think, 
I think there was like a random guy in place of her. Uh-huh. I could not tell you his name, but no, I didn't see her. But so you had a different. I really wish I did. So you had a different comedian. Yeah, I I believe we had someone else, but this that was the that was my first meet and greet. Uh-huh. So regardless, I didn't see any opener, but I know there was someone on stage, but I know it it wasn't her. Oh, you're me- like people at my show were bummed that she was not there. Oh man, that's also interesting that you're. I got some like some like local guy. Yeah, because that's interesting that your meet and greet was before the show because mine was after the show on that tour. And that was the tour that I was supposed to, I had a meet and greet with Kelly. I found out that my meet and greet was going to include Reba. And so I was like, oh, this is fantastic. This is great. I love this. And then we are, me and my friend are standing backstage. We're waiting to go into the room and someone says, oh, by the way, Kelly had to leave. She had a photo shoot in the morning and she had to leave. And so our what we thought was going to be a Kelly Clarkson meet and greet turned into just a Reba McIntyre meet and greet. And, <laughs> oh, no. and I had brought like, and of course, this is back when I was still bringing like gifts for Kelly at meet and greets. And so I, I had this stuff for her and we walk into the, the room where the meet and greets happening and they've got the sort of the step and repeat that says two worlds, two voices. And the way that the room worked was we walked in the room in one door, you went in, you stood with Reba, and then you walked out the door on the other side. I knew that that's how it was going to go. And so I had my gift. And as I'm walking into the room, I threw it behind the step and repeat to the other side so that I could pick it up on my way out. Because I'm like, I'm not giving this to Reba. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, was yours like – was yours one of the uh, fan club ones? Um, no, I think mine was – I think I got it through radio, but it could have been a fan club thing. I don't okay. remember for sure. I, but what it, I feel like the radio makes more sense. Yeah, but what it turns out was that she was leaving the next morning to do the photo shoot for the All I Ever Wanted album. Uh, okay, that's kind of So cool. it's – I mean it was a necessary <laughs> photo shoot. I understood. Yeah. But man, I mean you can almost even see it in my face that I'm <laughs> – in my oh. picture with Reba, I'm just like um, – <laughs> I was like – I know you're a legend and I, I, I like your music, but man, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> no, that's not all you ever wanted. Was exactly. But um, boom. Uh, uh, thank you so, so much. On that note. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us this week. We certainly do appreciate it. Again, we're at Missing the Podcast on all the socials. Uh, make sure you uh, like the podcast, subscribe, and uh, leave us a rating as well because the more ratings and the five stars that you leave us uh, help us get seen by more Kelly fans. So please uh, subscribe and review the podcast on all your favorite podcast networks and uh We'll catch you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to Miss Indie Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Indie Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to missindiepodcast at gmail.com.